This is Dr. Moises Saldivar with another episode of the Way to College podcast. And one of the wonderful things about this podcast is it's given me an opportunity to connect with folks everywhere doing all kinds of different things. And so my guest today, I met my guest today a few months ago when I was looking for a space to have a meeting with some colleagues. And uh, turns out we we knew a lot of the same people. So small world. Um but I also learned that she's doing some really cool stuff. Started following her on social media and uh, just really just, like I said, doing some really amazing things. And, and I wanted to know, you know, more about her story and, and how she got to sort of where she's at now. So, Renee, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Sure. Hi, I'm Renee Sanchez-Leal. I am the um many hat wearer currently uh, for Society 204, which is a co-working community in Edinburgh. I'm also the director of operations for um, our latest project. And I guess we'll get into that um, regarding the Citrus Live. And I'm also the office manager for Fox Real Estate Pros, which is a real estate brokerage. And I'm also a two, uh, two-time business owner as well. So yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah. So there, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack, right? A lot that we've got to get into. Sure. <laughs> R- uh, Renee, thank you for, for joining me today. Um, question I always start with question I ask mm-hmm. everybody is if you had to go back and say my educational journey started here, where would that be for you? Oh gosh. Um, I would say my educational journey started back when I was probably in seventh grade at Montalto Junior High. Um, And I somehow, I can't even really remember, but somehow I got interested in engineering. Um, And if you listen to that whole long list of things that I do, engineering is not one of them. Um, And so... I decided at 12 that I wanted to be an aerospace engineer of all things. And so I researched summer camps, ended up going to a summer engineering program uh, workshop and, and like live in camp at the University of Texas and immersed myself in what that looked like and left there knowing exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up. And clearly didn't follow that pathway. Um, But that's okay. That's okay. I like to tell people that um, it's great to have a game plan, but you should expect, you know, plans A through Z. um, Because I'm definitely a living testament to all of that. Um, So, yeah, started that educational path um, when I was 12. But I didn't actually get my bachelor's degree until uh, 2017, actually. So, Renee, thank you. And, and I appreciate you starting there because, so I started the podcast, I teach at the university now and then do um, consulting work with um, high schools and, and kids wanting to get into colleges and stuff. And I just noticed um, a lot of the, the people that I work with, they're, they're coming in and they're really stressed out because they feel like at 18, I have to have it all figured out. And I've got to figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And, and I try to, I try to reassure them and tell them, 
chances are you're, you're, you're going to do something else. Like, like you may pursue, right. You may do whatever yeah. it is that you're getting a degree in, but there's a good chance you're going to do something else and that's okay. Um, and so, you know, I, I always tell them I, when I went to college, I thought I was going to do business, um, majored in Mexican American studies and then, and didn't, didn't like, I told tell them like, even when I was graduating, I didn't have a job lined up. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then the job at the university kind of just fell in my lap. And I, and I, I was going to do that for three years and hello, I'm in year 20. This is my 20th <laughs> year. And I, and, and so, you know, um, but I've also done a lot of other things right. with that. And, and, and so I appreciate, and that's one of the reasons that I was, I think I was so drawn to your story. Cause I, like on your social media, like just yeah. everything that you're doing. And I was like, okay, there's, there's gotta be some great story behind this. And yeah. I think it'd be really cool to share with my, with, well, with my listeners, because, yeah, yeah, because I want people to feel comfortable with that. I have a plan A through Z or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, I'll be, and I'm, and I'm very honest. And, and if you follow me on social media, um, I'm very much that, um, I swear by you get the full picture, right? Like the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I don't sugarcoat most anything on my social media. And I do that because growing up, you know, back then we didn't have Instagram and Facebook. It was, we had MySpace and, you know, you better, you better be nice to me. Or I'm going to take you off my top eight. Um, but you know, it was very different what we had to compare ourselves to. And, uh, you know, I, I come from a family where college was still very new, um, at least on my dad's side of the family, um, you know, my cousin. And so you kind of know what sort of legacy I was coming into, you know, my cousin went to Brown university. So Ivy leagues were sort of what was expected of me, especially graduating, um, at the top of my class, the way that I did, I was, I was top 25 of my class. So it was sort of expected that I was going to go on and do big, great things. Um, graduated, uh, I got into the engineering program at Texas A&M University and College Station in 2006. So my fall semester was already in, in the program, which if you know anything about the A&M engineering program, it's very difficult to just get in. You have to kind of sometimes start with your basics and then work your way through the program. I immediately got into the program. So it was a big deal. And that didn't really work out. Um, I, I tell people, you know, again, very honest, I had a 4.0 in a social life and I had a 0.8 GPA academically. Um, I didn't even know that that was possible because in high school I had a 3.9 something like, so to have that huge spectrum of difference, um, it was a very big blow um, to everything that I knew, obviously huge disappointment to my family, things like that. Um, and you, you take that very personally. I came back home, I started working, um, and just didn't really feel like I had any direction of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, because the plan that I had at 12, no longer materialized. And I kind of just got disheartened and I didn't want to put in the work anymore. I took one class here, took one class there at STC, but I was paying for it now um, instead of my parents paying for it on their credit card, um, which is a whole other conundrum. And so I just, I had no direction. I just didn't know what I wanted to accomplish in life. I was, I was content with making $8 an hour 
um, working in the medical industry, doing data entry. And that's what I did. I did that for a very long time. Um, by the time I got serious about school, it was 2013. I had just gotten married and it kind of felt like, okay, Renee, you're in your mid twenties. Life is going to pass you by all of your friends. Um, are married, have kids, have degrees, have careers already. Um, and the one person that they all expected that that was going to happen to really easily, you know, I was here kind of on the wayside. So I put my gear, my button to gear and um, threw myself into my education. I finished my um, associate's degree in like 15 months. I was just working full-time, going to school full-time. Uh, sleep was non-existent because it was something, you know, I was passionate about. I wanted to make sure that I had that piece of paper. So I um, knocked out my associate's degree. Instead of taking time off, I went full force into my bachelor's degree. And uh, it was right at the time that UTPA became UTRGB. So it was chaos on campus, um, having to figure out transfers, having to figure out like starting up which degree plan I fell under, things like that. So very easily could have gotten discouraged with the whole process because um, a lot of people didn't know their left hand from their right hand. And instead it was, look, I'm 28 years old. I've been there. I've done that. Give me whatever form needs to be filled out. I'll figure it out on my own kind of a thing. Like I just, I just wanted to be done with the degree. Um, and so it wasn't so much that I needed the piece of paper to do kind of whatever field I wanted to be in. By that point, I had already transitioned out of the medical industry into um, the nonprofit sector. And so, again, didn't need the degree. I was majoring in communication studies. So I like to tell people I got a really expensive piece of paper that says I know how to talk to people when I've been able to do that my whole life. Um, so it wasn't that I needed the degree. It was more validation for myself. Like, Hey, it took you this long to do it, but damn it, I'm going to do it kind of a thing. So it was more, more personal than it was um, a necessity. Yeah. Um, but I graduated and um, actually I completed my bachelor's two days after my uh, 29th birthday. So that was a really fun little birthday present to myself. Um wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tell people there's no right or wrong way to go about it. If getting an education, post-secondary education is important to you, then do it. Um, I had, I was one of the old, the old people in class. Um, and so, you know, I had a lot of, I had a lot of the younger kids asking like, Hey, how do you balance things? Um, my second to last semester, I was actually working two full-time jobs and taking five classes. So uh, I tell people, if I can survive that, I can survive anything, really. Um, if you ask my husband, I was sleeping probably like four hours a night because I was just, I was bombarded with everything. Yeah. But I got the piece of paper. Um, and like I said, it, it wasn't a necessity that I needed for a career path or anything like that, but it's definitely helped um, prove my credibility. Yeah. Um, especially with the projects that we're doing right now, um, the the entities that I have to deal with in, in local municipalities, right? So having to deal with the government, um, with dealing with the county officials, city officials, planning, zoning, building, compliance, you know, all these things that probably otherwise wouldn't have had any 
interactions with in any other field. Um, kind of having that piece of paper gives me a little bit of wind beneath my wings, if you will. Uh, so when I walk into these places, um, you know, I, I kind of know what I'm supposed to be doing there and, and they believe that I know what I'm supposed to be doing there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What, one of the, I guess one of the things, right. You learn in communications, right. Is this, is if, um, if you sound like, you know, what yeah. you're talking about, right. That does a lot. That goes a long way. Um, I, Fake Renee, it till wanna, you make it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to walk back a little bit because you, you, masterfully walked us through, you know, your education and, and, yeah. and, um, and where you're at. But one thing that I wanted to ask you, you're, you're going to A&M, mm-hmm. you know, and like you said, your friends expected you to do well. They expected right. you to be the one with the career and everything. Um, so what was it? What, what happened? Was it, you said you had a 4.0 in, in, in your social life. Was it just, you just prioritized the social aspect? I, yeah. So in high school, I was taking seven AP classes. I was in every extracurricular activity. So having a social life was non-existent in high school because I had to be top 25. I had to graduate with honors. I had to get, you know, into these prestigious schools that I ended up not going to. Um, you know, it was, I had very um, lofty and difficult goals for myself in high school. Um, being second rate was not an option. You know, I had to take all the AP classes. I had to figure out how to be in every extracurricular activity. So if that meant sacrificing sleep and sacrificing going to this party or my friend's dinner or whatever, I did that. Um, And when I got to college, it just kind of became more, well, there's no pass to play thing, right? So in football season, I didn't have to worry about passing to be a cheerleader. I didn't have to worry about that for a softball season. I didn't have, so the mentality kind of shifted a little bit. I went to one um, college party and I guess if you're going to go to a college party, going to college party uh, with the football players of the football team is a good way to get initiated into the scene. Um, And I kind of realized what I had been missing out on in, in high school and thought like, oh, well, I can, I can balance this. I can figure that out. And it's difficult to be at a house party on a Wednesday evening until three o'clock in the morning and then have to get up for your 8 a.m., you know, engineering calculus class. And so, you know, one missing one class, you justified yourself like, oh, it's okay. It's just one class. But then one class becomes two, becomes five, becomes the whole semester. And then you just don't go. So, and then I had a couple health uh, issues that I was dealing with while I was away too. So I kept trying to justify saying like, well, it's because I was sick and that's why I didn't go to class. But the reality was I just, I wasn't disciplined. I didn't prioritize going to class and I was just trying to find a scapegoat and an excuse for everything. Um, And in the end, it cost me, you know, my degree from A&M. Wow. (sighs) Wow. I told you I'm honest. There's, there's no sugarcoating the way <laughs> no, that no, I no. explain things. I, I, and I love it. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I was going to ask, um, how did your family take it? Um, so my mom is an educator. She was a teacher for 37 years. So to say that education is important is a huge understatement. Um, they were, they were, they were pissed, but more than pissed, they were disappointed. And I think that as a child, that's probably the worst thing that you can do to your parents is to disappoint them. 
And there was a lot of, there was a lot of tension when I moved back home. Uh, because again, the, the plans that I had for myself since 12 and everybody knew my plan, everybody knew Renee was going to grow up and she was going to be an aerospace engineer and she was going to go work for the department of defense and missile defense technology systems. I'm telling you like down to the minutia of details, I knew what I was going to be when I grew up and I threw it all away. And, um, you know, it just, it was a very dark period, uh, personally at home, um, having to kind of regain my parents' trust, um, the fact that they paid that whole tuition on their credit card, uh, room, board, everything. So basically stole their money, you know, and, and that's why I had to get a job was because I had to pay back my parents. Um, yeah. It wasn't about teaching me responsibility, though I'm sure that was part of the, the plan, but it was like, hey, we paid $16,000, pony up. So- you know, because because your story is a familiar one, right? Yeah. You know, students go away and um, it, it's overwhelming, right? I, I, I've i got to give talks during orientation and I always tell students that it, from my perspective and the stories that I've heard and students that I've had, the freedom oftentimes is is, is sort of, it's, it's what we're uh-huh. not expecting, right? What advice would you give maybe somebody, not necessarily in dealing with the freedom, but Right. Somebody who maybe had a setback and they've got to come back and deal with their folks. What advice would you give them? It's always worse in your head than you think it's going to be. Um, but I would say, you know, part of part of owning up to a mistake is the owning up to it, is the claiming of responsibility. And so I almost think of it sort of like a Band-Aid, right? It's going to hurt when you rip it off, but it hurts more if you peel it off little by little versus ripping it off. So the quicker that you come clean with that or you admit to your wrongdoings or your shortcomings, um, the faster that you guys together as a whole can sort of regroup and and figure out how to move past that, right? Um, I didn't do that. So uh, I speak from the other side of that experience. I tried to lay blame on other situations. Like I said, I was trying to say like, well, it's because I was sick for a while and that's why, or, you know, it's because my class was at eight, again, having picked that class myself. (laughs) Um, And so I was just, I was trying to pass the blame and the buck to other people or other situations. And really the fault lies on my, on myself. Um, And so when I finally kind of came to that conclusion, I think my parents were like, okay, she's matured enough to understand her role in this situation. um, And that's when things started to get better. Um, So I think it's really just a matter of, look, it didn't work out. I'm sorry that I, I messed up. Um, but here's what I'm willing to kind of do to, to rectify the situation, right? Like for me, it was, okay, um, I'll go to school, I'll pay for it. I'm not even going to ask you guys for money for books or anything like that. I'll just figure it out and we'll go from there. And so it was trying to meet them halfway or come to some compromise to where I knew the education was important to my parents, specifically my mom, but it was, here's how I can sort of prove myself in this situation moving forward. And really it's just, you know, you're going to be harder on yourself. There was a lot of self-reflection I had to do too, to understand my role 
and how I needed to move forward so that it didn't happen again. I love that. Um, well said. You, um, you mentioned something else. You said, you know, while you were working on your degree and you got serious about it. And you said at one point you were doing, you were working full-time, two jobs and mm -hmm. taking five classes. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I mean, I can't even imagine, <laughs> but like, you know, you know, pe people that say, I, I think working full time, like we do, you know, students that yeah. work full time and are, and are going to school and feel overwhelmed and um, kind of don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. How did you manage? I cried a lot. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to, I, I cried a lot. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would kind of like <laughs> have pity parties. Um, but I credit my support group, right? So um, huge kudos goes out to my husband, Rick, because he saw my struggle every single day. If I was working from, I would go from one full-time job. So I had already switched again. That was the time I had switched from the medical industry to the nonprofit sector. Um, but in that, the my old job in the medical industry called me and said, hey, the person that we hired to replace you quit on us unexpectedly. And you're the only one who kind of knows how to do what you do. Um, and me being the huge empath that I am, I said, sure, I'll keep helping. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we'll figure it out. And so I was working 40 hours at the nonprofit. I was working 30 hours at my old job and taking 15 credit hours for school. Wow. Yeah. And so I cried a lot. I had pity parties. I spent most every day locked in my office at work, at the house, um, sorry, eating dinner, eating breakfast. Every meal was at my computer. Um, the first, the first like two years of our marriage, um, three years of our marriage, I was in my office working, doing homework. Um, so, you know, I credit my husband for keeping me on track because there was a lot of times where I would cry and I would say, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'll just, I'll quit school and I'll figure out how to get my degree at a different time. Um, you know, and he would, he would talk me off the ledge and say, Hey, you're almost done. How many classes do you need? And I would had my degree plan taped on my wall and I would like check off each time I would complete a semester. Right. And he's like, well, how many classes do you need? I'm like, I just need three more. And he's like, you can't give up now. It's three classes left after the semester. Like you've got the, you know, so he was, he, he switched roles and he went from the jock football player in high school to the cheerleader at home. And he just, he did a phenomenal job of keeping me, keeping my head on straight. Um, because, you know, if you've ever, if you ever Google memes, like during finals week or midterms, it's like, you know, screw this. I'm just going to be a stripper kind of a thing. So it was very, it was very much like, you know, whatever, I'll just figure out the piece of paper later. Um, so between him and, and then of course my parents and my sisters, everybody just sort of figured out, um, my fuse was very, very short. So don't, don't set it off. But also it was, how do I help? What can I do? A lot of people picking up the slack. Um, you know, I, I don't think I ever grocery shopped that whole time because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't leave the house because I was working all the time. So, you know, Rick really, 
Rick really stepped it up. And, and I can't, again, I can't thank him enough because if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have survived that semester working all those hours and taking all those hours of classes because I probably wouldn't have the degree if it wasn't for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, kudos to him and, you know, yeah, absolutely. That support support network, right. Becomes so yeah. critical to our success, especially when we're, we find ourselves working multiple jobs or just, just having so many roles and responsibilities that we've got being, to fulfill. Being a non-traditional student in and of itself is already difficult. You know, mm-hmm. for some people they're married, some people have kids on top of that. You know, I didn't, so I didn't have that extra kind of stress compounding, but I think, I think we're doing better. And I say we, in terms of society and, and the university, uh, figuring out that there's a lot more non-traditional students than previously. I think like when you all were in college, um, that was a standard. You graduated high school, you went to college, you got done by the time you were 21, 22, and then you started your career paths and your families and all of that. I think my generation's kind of, we just, we're just figuring <laughs> it out as we go. And, um, you know, I think, I think, like I, I can speak for myself when I was in the university um, at UTRGV, the communication professors I had, instead of looking at me like a distraction or, um, you know, like, oh, God, like this, this old person, um, you know, coming in and just sitting in the back of the class. And I didn't I didn't always contribute um, because my head was spinning all the time. And so sometimes I would get to class late and, and I just didn't want to be a burden to people. But I had a couple of professors who realized that I actually became quite an asset as far as sharing, you know, real world experiences with stuff. So um, when I was taking interviewing, I had already done HR interviews. I'd already hired, fired. I'd already done all that. I'd implied all of that before. And so it was nice to be able to share. Yes, this is what the textbook says, but people don't behave like textbooks. So in this situation, this is what this looks like. And they used me as a resource. So that was really nice too. So I think, I think the university and the professors, depending of course on the degree and things like that, they're getting better at figuring out that non-traditional students actually bring more value sometimes to the class, to the program than, you know, I, sorry, I can't make it to class because I've got a sick baby at home kind of a thing. Yeah. I love that. And and I appreciate you talking about, right. The non-traditional students, because, because you're right, because I think everybody's path is different. Mm-hmm. And I think the more we recognize and sort of acknowledge and, and, and empower those that who maybe feel like, are discouraged, like, like the times passed me, right. It's passed me by. Yeah. Like, no, it hasn't. I mean, you, you talked about being the oldest, you know, one of the older students in your classes. Um, and so just embracing the idea that, Hey, I can always go back mm-hmm. regardless of my situation. I can always go back. So I appreciate that you, um, you know, 12 year old, you wanted to be an aerospace engineer. And like you said, you'd had it all the way down to like the work you were going to be doing, who you were going to be working for. And yet you said you were doing data entry, medical Mm -hmm. data entry, started working at a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And, and today, as you so beautifully (laughs) stated in your intro, you wear multiple hats. I do. How did you, and, and, and if, you know, for those of you, hopefully our listeners, right, that after they listen to this, they're going to follow you on social media if they're not already. Right. But but 
for anybody that follows you, you seem really excited about the work you're doing. You seem to really enjoy it. Every day. Yeah. So, well, so how did you, how did you find your way there? (laughs) I don't know, Jay. No, I'm (laughs) kidding. Um, I will say, I will say that I believe a lot in science. I believe a lot in the people whose paths you cross can always open doors, right? And so when I worked at the nonprofit, it was a real, the Realtors Association, the Greater McAllen Association of Realtors. That's where I was at. And um, I met a guy there who at the time was the president of the association. And he tells me, you know, Renee, this, I, was, I was in a dungeon. I really was. It was a room with one desk and filing cabinets and the windows were probably this big, but all the way up towards the ceiling. So I had no windows. I was stuck in this dark room that wasn't meant to be an office, but they hired me kind of in this, like, we need more help kind of thing. And they just figured out how to make an office out of a filing cabinet room. (laughs) And so he kept telling me like, this is, this is not what your personality is best suited for. And, you know, kind of talking with him about what I was doing and I was finishing up my degree and, and he, he was so cool because he would always come into my office and be like, how do I help? And people in positions of power, right? He's the president of the association. Don't normally do that. Like they don't come to the staff and ask, how is it that I can help you? It's usually like, well, what are you doing? Mm. And why are you doing it that way? So for him to offer his assistance, I thought was very unique, um, especially in the medical industry. Doctors aren't coming up to you and asking you like, how can I help you with your <laughs> job today? Kind of a thing. Uh, so that was a whole new uh, world for me. Um, as it turns out, as a realtor, he officed out of a co-working space in Edinburgh. At the time, it was located across from City Hall. He invited me to come by and take a look at it. I was just about to finish up my last semester, summer two in 2017. And I was finishing up that last class to finally like say sayonara to the university. And he's like, we've got this really cool program. It's called Hive Effect. I think you should come check it out and apply. And I kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm about to finish school. I don't want to do like a whole other like schooling, right? Well, I went in to go check it out, ended up really enjoying the community vibe that was there. And I applied for the program and I thought, what's the worst that can happen? They tell me no, because I had expressed to him that at some point I figured when I retired at 65, that I would have my own communication consulting firm. And he would always ask me, well, why can't you do it now? And I was like, because I'm going crazy. I'm working and I'm going to school. Like where does business owner fall into that? Right. It's like, I can't kept saying, well, this is something I'll do. Like when I retire, like when I'm bored at home, I'll do this. And I applied for this program, which helps small business owners or people who want to be entrepreneurs get started. I applied and I got in with not even a business plan, just this like random top of my head idea. And I got into this program. So I finished my degree August 18th and August 23rd, I started this program. Um, I went through it for six months. You get part of the program is you get a membership to, at the time it was called grindstone coworking. And I had to go to different classes and different things and I couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough. So when the opportunity presented itself that, Hey, Renee, we're growing, we're expanding we're looking for a community manager to help us keep things organized and schedule events and plan things. 
you're the only person we're offering this to. Are you interested? I didn't even ask price. I didn't ask like what that looked like. It just, it got me out of my little dungeon room and I said, yes. Um, and so that was July of 2018. I think, yeah, July of 20. I feel like all the days run together at this point, Jay. So yeah, that was five years ago and four years ago. See, that's why I didn't do engineering because math is not my strong suit. Um, yeah, so that was four years ago and I never looked back. So then I became the community manager of the co-working space. Um, we moved out of that building two years ago into the building we're in now. That's where I connected with you. Um, we rebranded, we became Society 204 inside the old JC Penney building here in Edinburgh. With that, I became the director of operations for that. Um, got the opportunity to open up two of my own businesses. So I'm also a notary public and a notary signing agent. So I can help out on the real estate end with closings. I also help manage the uh, brokerage for um, my boss. So his name is Nick Gunthu. So he's the owner of Society 204. He's also the real estate broker for Fox Real Estate Pro. So I help him manage all of that. And then last year, I started another business um, called Serendipity Events. And so it's a 360 video booth. And so I have a, a co-owner with that. Her name's Priscilla. So her and I do that as well. And then last month, we just went live with the project that we had been keeping under wraps since last July, which is the purchase and remodel of the old Citrus Theater here in downtown Edinburgh. So I'm the operations officer for that. <laughs> wow. Ask me when I sleep. I don't, but it's still fun. And, um, <laughs> you know, like you said, it's, you can tell that I'm very passionate about it. And I hope that, you know, that comes across on my yeah. social media. Um, I tell people, I'm sorry. Like I, that's, that's my life. Like I don't do anything else except work, but work is fun for me. Um, you know, here at society, we've got 19,000 square feet of space and every spot is different. Uh, we designed it specifically to be um, photo worthy. Like we want it to show up on Instagram uh, the same thing with the real estate brokerage. It's not a traditional real estate brokerage that most people are like typically like no, right? And so we run the office very differently. We have happy hours and we work together as a team and, and we definitely want them to integrate within the community and do different community events. And so we really hound on this sense of family, the sense of community, and that's across everything. So with the new project, because it's so community oriented and because it means so much, it all just blends really well together. So I can take off one hat, put the other one on and it still works for everything. That's awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it is, it's, it's, um, you know, a couple of things that just stand out to me when you were talking about transitioning and, you know, these different roles that you've had is, one, you, like you said, right. The people, the people that you've met and the people that have connected with, that you've connected with that have created opportunities for you or presented you with opportunities. And, right. and, and, and for you, it, it, it just sounds like, and feel free to correct me. Mm -hmm. um, you just seem like somebody who enjoys a challenge. And so a lot of these opportunities look like, okay, here's another challenge. Here's something that, that I can get excited about. 
um, but it'll also help me develop some of my skills and I'll learn some new things along the way. And, and, and so it, it just, it, it seems much more deliberate than I think you're giving it credit for. Right. But, but it, I mean, it probably wasn't, but it, it seems that way. And you start, you kind of yeah. like separate it. It didn't start off that way. That's for sure. Yeah. It didn't, it, it was more, it was more like the opportunity presented itself and I just wanted something different at that moment yeah. of my life. And so I thought, sure, why not? Let's, let's jump, you know, headfirst into this. And, um, we had actually, my husband and I, we had actually said, okay, like six months, you've got a six month window to see if this works for you. And if not, then, um, you're going to go back into like, and I use like air quotes, like very exaggerated here, go back into the real world kind of thing, because this is not your standard office environment, right? Um, there's a bar, right? I, I'm, if I look right across from me, I can see my bar in the office fully stocked right now. Um, so again, not your typical work environment. And so that was four years ago. And I clearly uh, enjoyed it so much and have done so well with it that uh, I didn't have to worry about, you know, that backup plan. But the other parts of my life, the other business offers, the other um, opportunities have definitely been deliberate. There's there's definitely a lot of um, who says who says I can't yeah. kind of a mentality. Right. And so. I chalk a lot up to, you know, the hard work that's around me. So if you ever uh, meet Nick Gunthu, he very much subscribes to like the Kobe Mamba mentality, right? Up at five and nobody's going to outwork him. And I'm competitive at nature. And so if he's if he's going to get up and work extra hard, then mm, I'm going to get up and work extra hard too. And I think that that's why we balance each other out at work is because he's pushing me and I'm pushing him. And I think that's why the businesses around us have, have been so successful is because we have that mentality, which is why, you know, I can't think of any other businesses really at least locally owned businesses that have expanded three times in two years during a pandemic uh, because wow. Yeah, because, you know, that's there's that driving force is is we're very competitive and we're very competitive with each other, obviously, to push each other to be the best. But I feel like, excuse me, that's contagious to everybody who's around us. So all of the co-working members in the building have that same sort of thought process. So everybody here is successful in their own right because we're all pushing each other to be the very best. So yeah. a lot of a lot of that moving forward is very deliberate. The Citrus Project, very deliberate. The strategy behind that, um, everything that I put into that project, everything that I put into Society 204, everything I put into Fox Real Estate, uh, Serendipity, and then my notary business, those are all very strategic You know, social media platforms or messages that get put out. There's my communications degree. Um, but everything has its place, its time, its method. But getting started in this path of life was not, it was, you know, I don't care if it's shark infested waters, we're just going to figure it out. And that's actually sort of my unofficial motto, uh, is the acronym FITFO, uh, figure it the F out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I should copyright that, but yeah, you should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this day and age you should. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I also want to be mindful of, of your time. Um, yes. and so I, I would say one, thank you for sharing your story. Two, you know, as we close out, mm -hmm. what last piece of advice 
would you give our listeners? I, I mean, because your your story right hits on so many things. You know, you you had had the struggles with your your education early on. Mm-hmm. You know, but but incredibly motivated, focused, driven. You stayed on task. You found your way, and and very different from I think where you started from. Right. right. So I think there's a lot that you can pull from. But if you had to pick one last piece of advice to give listeners, what would it be? Bet on yourself. You know exactly what you're capable of every single day. And don't beat yourself up when your best is not your best in that moment. Um, We are all learning how to figure out life together. And so lean on each other. But at the end of the day, it's you versus you. You're not competing against anybody else, contrary to what I just said. Um, You really are in a race all your own and set expectations and goals that you know that you can achieve. And when you get, you know, get to that goal, celebrate that win and then move on to the next one. Um, Because at the end of the day, you're a winner. And you're the only one who gets to define that for yourself, whatever that goal, whatever that idea, that dream is, you're the only one who knows how to get there and to accomplish that. And I can't wait to see you do so because I want to help celebrate that victory with you because I know that you can do it. So don't give up on yourself, be your biggest cheerleader, be your biggest support system, but lean on others when you need it. Well said, (laughs) well said. Renee, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate the invitation to be part of this. Awesome. This concludes another episode of the Way to College podcast. Thank you to my guests and thank you to our listeners out there. Um, We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.